0: Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. We are coming to you late on Thursday night. I don't know exactly when this episode is going to come out, but it's kind of a timeless one, so it's going to be fine no matter what. I am Sam Stasekul, as always, joined by Paul Tenorio. Paul, how's it going? I'm just happy to be here with you, Sam. Oh, that's so sweet of you. That's much, much, much nicer than comparing me to an eight-month-old like you did last week. My dad texted me about that, by the way. I didn't know what he was talking about, and, and he had to remind me, but just thought I'd let you know.
1: Well, thank you to Mr. Stasekul for listening. We appreciate it.
0: (laughs) He, my mom, and my grandma. There are at least three listeners out there. So that's that's all we really care about, right? Um, Anyway, uh, it's still a weird time to be covering MLS and soccer. It's still a very strange and scary and stressful time just to be in the world with everything going on with coronavirus. So our main goal for this show is to have a little bit of fun, uh, to hopefully take your mind off things. I know that I've been weighed down a little bit. Uh, this past week, uh, just with everything going on, I'm here in New York City, and obviously there's um, a lot of bad things happening with the outbreak and the disease, and unfortunately a lot of people dying. So um, hopefully hopefully that starts to change, but tonight we're going to have some fun. So that's, that's the goal. Um, we have some funny stories for you guys, kind of inspired by the piece that our colleague Pablo Maurer and I did earlier this week, um, just to kind of take your mind off things and and have a few laughs along the way. However, Paul, first, and I know you know where I'm going here, first I need to get on my soapbox a little bit. Is that all right with you? I think that that's the purpose of this podcast, is to give you a bigger soapbox, so get out <laughs> Oh it. man, that's a dangerous thing. Anyway, um, before we get into the fun stuff, I do want I, I want to say something to major league soccer owners. Um, there has been a lot of reports in the news recently about other sports leagues and other teams and other sports leagues, uh, particularly in the NHL, you know, the Bruins, the Boston Bruins announced some layoffs and pay cuts. The NHL league office announced some pay cuts, the 76ers and the devils announced some pay cuts and then walked those back. Um, all of course, because coronavirus has caused the suspension of all of these leaks, which means there's less revenue in the door for all of these leaks. MLS is not immune to that. Um, some MLS teams are taking care of their part-time stadium employees, um, the people that work on game days, uh, Portland, Atlanta, Chicago, Orlando, Columbus, Colorado, and Red Bull all have programs in place. Um, Minnesota notably does not, um, <laughs> they told their workers to, uh, you know, apply for jobs with their corporate sponsors, um, in an email earlier this week, um, which was, you know, caused some anger on the internet. And I think a little bit rightfully so, in my opinion. Um, and there were even some rumors the other day about RSL potentially laying people off. Um, I've been told that's not going to happen at least for the moment. Um, so hopefully that, that remains the case. Um, so that's kind of me setting the scene for what I actually want to say, which is obviously right now, everyone is going through difficult economic times. There's a lot of anxiety out there about that. I get that. I have some of it myself. Um, MLS teams are going to lose money because it looks like, I mean, I'm going to be shocked if they're going to play 34 games. I don't think there's any chance of that happening. Um, that's my personal opinion. So there's going to be less revenue in the door in 2020 than they anticipated. I get that. However, the people that own these teams in every single case are better equipped to ride out this economic and, uh, health crisis. Um, than almost every single person on the face of this planet that's not an overstatement. That's the truth. Uh, a lot of them are billionaires, and I get that you don't become a billionaire by shelling out your cash needlessly, right? I get it. But these people are well positioned to do a good thing and to take care of their people who work hard for them, and to see reports and rumors, and you know, I've heard, Paul. I'm sure you've heard that teams are considering lay- layoffs or furloughs or, or pay cuts. To, to hear that talk and to know how much these owners are worth is kind of infuriating to me. And I don't mean to get political or anything here, but I do want to give an example. And I'll use RSL because they, their name was out there, right? Um, let's just say that the number that got tossed around, and again, I'm told that, that these layoffs or furloughs are not going to be happening, at least for the moment. Um, the number that got tossed around for the potential stuff was 50 people getting furloughed or laid off. And say, you know, the plan was for them to come back when the season resumes. Let's just say that's two months. I don't think it's going to happen quite that fast, but let's just call it two months. All right. Um, say all of those 50 employees, say the average salary is 60K a year, right? Well, that's 5,000 a month per employee times two months, 10,000 a month times 50 is $500,000 total that you're saving. RSL owner Delay Hansen he bought a coin, like a dime, like a rare dime last year, for one point three million dollars. That's almost three times the five hundred thousand that he would save in this hypothetical scenario that I just laid out. That's the kind of money that these people have. These people are billionaires, and they can go out and they can do the right thing by their employees who work hard for them by and large, or at least hopefully work hard for them um Many of whom don't make a ton of money to to work in major league soccer but but do it because they want to be a part of growing the game in the U.S. and in Canada. Um, And the fact that so many of them are like, well, we're going to take a big financial hit. Well, guess what? If you're a billionaire, yeah, $30 that's going to hurt, no doubt, right? Say you lose that much in revenue, that's going to hurt. I'm not trying to minimize that. But you can ride that out. It's not going to kill you. So why not try and get out in front of this and do a really good thing and help these people out in a time of need, in a time of anxiety for everyone around the world. Because that guy or that girl who's selling sponsorships for 50 or 60 or 70K a year and maybe has a couple kids at home, well, if they miss two months of paychecks, even if they get on unemployment, that's really going to hurt them. Um, so why not r- help them ride out this storm a little bit? Um, it's the, it would be a great thing to do. Um, and I think in the long run, really, and Mark Cuban sort of spoke to this in an, in an article, um, that was published earlier on Thursday. Um, it, it would be good for your business in the long run, you know, corporate partners see that season ticket holders, see that your employees see that of course. <laughs> um, and if you do the right thing, well, guess what? All of those people are going to think better of you. And I think that would pay off in the long run. If you do kind of the wrong thing, let those people slide, let them slip, um, then how is that going to affect your bottom line? Those those people That's going to be a PR hit, um, and that's going to last for a long time. What you do in a crisis, uh, how you behave, if, the, if it brings out the best of you or the worst of you, people judge you by that. Um, and I hope when this is all said and done, whenever that is, we can look back and, and judge some of these MLS teams kindly and not too harshly. So that's that's what I wanted to say. That's me getting on my soapbox. I don't know if you have anything that you would like to add to that, Paul. If you don't, that's totally fine. But I just wanted to get that off my chest.
1: No, I don't think there's much to add. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to go into that. I think it's an important idea, and and hopefully there are some decision makers at MLS that also like your father, listen to allocation disorder. <laughs> and if they do, if they if they do, if there are people that are important decision makers in MLS, I implore them. For this episode, please stop listening right now because it's going in a totally different direction. I don't want any of them to know the stories we're about to tell.
0: <laughs> That's the surest way. You should know, Paul. That's the surest way to ensure they keep listening. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're playing a little reverse psychology. Before we get into the funny stories, I did want to plug Paul's story on Eddie Johnson. It's really good. You should go read it. He spent a lot of time um, and he had a lot of angst about that one. So make him happy. Make me happy. Go read that piece. It's worth your time. Anyway, Uh, let's get into the good stuff, huh? Give me a funny story, Paul. Well, let's explain what we're doing first here. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah, we both thought
1: about some stories that we've we've had and encountered during our days covering MLS, being around MLS. Um, Sam, you've got a lot better stories. the, my best stories, I'm not going to tell on this podcast. It's just not going to happen. Wow, um, Coward, but I've got a few good ones too, and and so we're going to tell some stories that maybe just give everyone a little bit of um, happiness right now, a little distraction from the real world, and the way your story did with Pablo. I think those stories of MLS, you know, across the last 25 years, um, I, I think was really well received in part because it, it it gave us something to laugh at and laugh about again. Um, And so we're going to try to do a little bit of that on this podcast.
0: For sure. And that's the entire idea here. And just to peel back the curtain a little bit further, I have spoken to a few of our colleagues already, Pablo, Matt Pence, Jeff Reuter, Felipe Cardenas. I'll probably get on the phone with Meg Lenahan at some point in the next few days, and they told me some of their funnier stories. There's some doozies in there, I assure you, and we'll be releasing those in a different episode, probably next week. So stay tuned for that one. Um, and without any further ado, can I do a drum roll on this on this chair? I wonder if that's going to come out in the in the podcast. It's probably going to be terrible. Sorry, Taylor and Daryl Daryl. Um, anyway, Paul, <laughs> let's lead us off, Matt.
1: All right. I think, you know, if we're really going to get, maybe we'll start with the Tamer story. And that's a story I covered that I'm not involved in. But I think maybe the most epic MLS would have fit in your MLS story with Pablo is when I was covering Orlando City in their inaugural season. And uh, we went uh, to New York for a game. Orlando City was playing NYCFC. I was there, obviously. And uh, obviously. It, went, it went well. Uh, I think Orlando City won. Everyone was in good spirits. Kyle Lahren scored two goals. Um, oh, I remember this game. That was a great yeah, game. Was, was that Pirlo's
0: ge- first game in MLS?
1: It was Pirlo's first game in MLS, which also, by the way, side note story, I was in the locker room. We we had all this talk about whether or not locker room access is a good thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. I actually went into the visiting locker room this time because Pirlo had just made his debut, and I thought, you know, maybe I'll get some color. Home locker room. Home locker room. The home locker room instead of the Orlando yeah. City locker room. And I walk in and Pierlo is coming out of the shower wearing nothing but a towel. And wow. nobody at NYCFC had told him that <laughs> media is allowed into the locker room in the <laughs> United States. And so Pierlo looks up and as he walks out of the shower, and his the look on his face is maybe one of the favorite things I've ever experienced in oh MLS. My God. I mean, here is a legend of the game with a just the shock of what was going on i mean because imagine how many people were there for pierre lowe's debut yeah it was amazing i will cherish it forever it also is one of those moments where you how realize his, like, how
0: did his hair look he looked and was perfect he drinking right like his hair wine. was
1: perfect he clearly had used a hair dryer post shower <laughs> goatee was good he was like set to go but I also I was like shocked. It's like one of those moments you see like how skinny somebody – like Pierlo is very – he was very fit. He was very, very skinny. And well, just he just looked tiny and afraid of a group of like 60 media members <laughs> waiting tiny for afraid. him. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even that's the amazing. story. That's anyway, part of the that's story. That's not the story. I fly back to Orlando and I'm out at training on, on – they had the day off on Monday and then um, I, I'm at training Tuesday. There's no two players are missing, two starters. Well, one starter, one guy who was working back from an injury. And I'm like, where where is Sean St. Ledger and Martin Patterson? I start asking around. No one no one has an answer for me. No one me. Next day I come to training. Those two guys are still missing. I can't get an answer. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Finally, I think later that week, a statement comes out that Sean St. Ledger has been released and Martin Patterson is going back to... England, uh, he, he he's going to retire from the game, and I'm like, what, what is going on? Turns out, after uh, you know, I think it was like another week or so before I could get somebody, a source at the uh, at the club, to uh, to confirm what happened. Basically, these two guys just like went on like a bender, man. They 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 <laughs> never got back on. They never got on the team bus to go to the airport. They didn't get on the team plane to go back to Orlando. They just stayed in New York and didn't answer oh, phone calls from the club, and man. and just showed up a few days later, and uh, you know I what like I'm not telling any secrets. If you're an Orlando City fan, I mean this was all over Twitter. I didn't know in the this Orlando story. City was, universe, but like the greater MLS community things. does not know about the famous Sean St Ledger. Martin Patterson, New York City Bender, um, Sean
0: St. Ledger. He ended
1: up with the Rapids, didn't he? He After did. That? He ended up getting yeah. signed. And by the way, it was it was actually, in my opinion, kind of a pivotal moment for Orlando City that season. Sean St. Ledger is like he was good. He was he was playing well, and he was the leader of that back line. He kept them organized. When he was removed from that back line, they got worse. And and I think it could have ended up costing them a spot in the playoffs that year. I mean, it went down man. to the very end. Martin Patterson, you know, he had been hurt. He went back to England. He actually un- didn't retire. He ended up coming back, signing with the Tampa Bay. I think he's like an assistant coach still with the Tampa Bay Rowdies or somewhere in USL now. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty crazy story. Sam. That's
0: that's a good what if. Maybe if Sean St. Ledger doesn't go on a bender with Martin Patterson, maybe he stays in the starting lineup and Orlando City make the playoffs in their expansion season. And Adrian Heath keeps his job. And oh man, Butterfly Effect, great Ashton Kutcher movie, but also with Orlando City. So there you go. That actually, that Pierlo story, Paul, reminded me of one that I have with uh, with your boy Bastion Schweinsteiger. Um, when I was living in Chicago, I went out to training at Toyota Park. I don't even think it was for this story, but it was the summer in, of 2018, and. The, the Fire, you know, at the time being a pretty bad team, this was this was after their good year in seventeen, and they were really struggling. And so I was the only media member at practice. Um, I don't know where you were, Paul, but you really blew it on this one, I think. Um, anyway, it was the day after Germany had been eliminated from the World Cup in the group stage, defending World Cup champions, and who is there but Bastian Schweinsteiger, and I'm like, oh, well, why don't I talk to Bastion about this and see if he has anything interesting to say? So I make the ask to to some of the fire PR people and they're like, yeah, well, we'll ask him, you know, see if he wants to do it. And so I'm sitting there in the, in the media room at, I guess, Seat SeatGeek Stadium. I don't know if it was Toyota Park or SeatGeek at the time. Um, but I'm sitting there, I'm waiting for him and the PR person's kind of shuttling back and forth. He's taking a little bit of a long time and, um... The PR person comes back into the me- media room and and she's laughing and I'm like what's going on and and she just goes oh Basti just asked me if it was okay if he if if it was a video interview or or an interview for print it was obviously for print and and he asked me if it was okay if he wore his quote hot pants to the interview which were like these gr- bright green like bike shorts essentially um he came in, and those in a towel over them and that was it and we talked about germany's failure to uh, advance out of the group stage at the World cup it was a, it was a weird interview uh, sam i'm really <laughs>
1: glad you brought up bosti because i would not have remembered to tell this story on this episode i was really trying to think <laughs> of like random mls stories and i've got a bosti one and it's a good one
0: i know where you're going you this. know where i'm going it's, it is a good one you I called so. him
1: my boy. In no way am I... I would love to, for people around the world to think like I'm Bastian Schweinsteiger's boy or something like that. It's not like that. Like, But obviously, I was on the sideline for, for um, Chicago Fire broadcast for a, a year and a half or two. I don't even remember how long. And so, bossi knew who I was. I went out to training one day, and Schweinsteiger had this thing that he liked to do to multiple media members. kind of like test their ability or lack thereof in soccer. And so... A lot of times he'd come jogging off after training and he'd, he'd kind of hit a, a, a ball at you. Like, not like at at you, at you. Like, he wanted you to trap it and play it back. But he'd hit it about, like, knee height or so. And he, you'd have to have a good touch, right? Because he's, he's pinging it at you. So he does this a couple times at me. Whatever. It, it, it's, it's a tradition. Well, this time he comes off and for some reason there's an American football at training. And so Basti comes off and he's got this American football and he says, Paul, do you know how to throw this? And I said, yeah. he said, okay, I've learned today. Let's throw the ball. I said, no problem. So we're throwing the the football back and (laughs) forth. I'm like, what is my life right now? I'm throwing American football back and forth with Bastian Schweinsteiger. And at one point, you know, he's going further and further back. And I'm like, I don't want to like actually throw the football at, at Schweinsteiger. You know, like he's, this is his first time ever playing. So I'm like getting worried about, the I'm pretty – I mean, he's,
0: he's, only, he's only a world-class athlete, I think. But, he but have you
1: ever seen, like, soccer players throw footballs before? I have. Or, or it's, really funny, okay, so <laughs> it's really funny, actually. You know funny. what I mean? I don't want to throw the ball <laughs> yeah. and it goes through Schweinsteiger's hands and hits him in the face and he has a broken nose and it's like, oh, how'd that happen? He, he, can, pl- it's he not, can play it's with not It's not that it's far funny. off from what happens. So I, I take a little spice <laughs> off my throat and it's starting to head wobble down towards Schweinsteiger's feet. Anyone who's ever grown up playing – any level of football, you just throwing it around the backyard nose. If the ball's going towards the ground, you don't put your hands down to catch it. You you trap it with your feet. You kick it. Because why? What yeah, happens? you try and juggle it up. The yeah, ball yeah. is going to hit the ground on the nose. It's going to bounce weird. You're going to jam your finger. Well, Schweinsteiger doesn't know this because he's German and it's the first time he's throwing a football. He reaches down to catch it. The ball hits the ground. It bounces up. It jams Schweinsteiger's finger. Okay, He's in a lot of pain. I can oh, tell man. he's in a lot of pain. He, you know, he he gives me the wave that we're done. We're done. <laughs> he, he's, he's in pain. And I'm like I, horrified, right? So, flash forward. This is like, by the way, this happens in like, I don't know, September or October of 2018. 2017? Or 2017. 18, okay. One of the two. I think maybe 2017. Come around to the start of 2018 and I see Schweinsteiger um, for preseason or something. Whatever, I'm out of fire practice again. And he comes up to me and he says, hey, you remember You remember when I hurt my finger throwing the football with you? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, my finger, I still have pain in it. It's not the same. So... <laughs> you permanently damaged I, I, him. <laughs> I permanently damaged Bastian Schweinsteiger. And
0: uh, I'd like okay, to apologize Okay, so I did Bosh, not know, you know where that story... But yeah, I permanently damaged
1: Schweinsteiger
0: lesson let the lesson be learned for you paul just just throw the thing dude have faith and have faith in the world cup champion to catch it like just just have faith don't don't soft arm him you know just go for it so i actually have one more and this is turning into the bosti hour now and i didn't see this personally but it, it got told to me by a couple of people um and it's amazing apparently one of his nicknames with his fire teammates who all pretty much loved the guy uh was buddy the elf because he was just kind of a weirdo and a little bit of an odd duck in like kind of, in a very charming, sweet way. And so apparently one day after training, he was just kind of sticking around and, you know, doing some extra work on the field, whatever, getting some free kicks up, whatever he was doing. And one of the trainers or equipment managers, um, was collecting all the corner kick flags and they're going to take them back inside after practice. And they're all stacked up together near the exit to the fire training field. And Bosti decides that he's going to, he's going to do um, a javelin competition with the corner kick flags by himself. Um, so he's competing by himself and doing all this thing. And it's all a great time. He's laughing. They're, they're having fun. People are watching. It's a good time. And then afterwards he decides, well, I need to give myself a gold medal. And so he apparently takes off his shoes because he doesn't wanna step he doesn't wanna step on an aluminum bench with his with his cleats on. <laughs> and and he, he steps on the bench like he's on the podium and he has someone drape like an invisible metal over his neck, he bows his head and everything. And he had one of the trainers take out his phone <laughs> and play the German national anthem. <laughs> and he's standing there. He's standing there with his hand over his heart, like, in silence, you know, just like it's a real medal ceremony. So, um, there you go. Bosti, Buddy the Elf, Schweinsteiger. We got a lot of mileage out of him, and we had no plans for that, so you know, Paul was sweating this episode. He's like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. It's going to be kind of hard. So it's not going to be hard, Paul. Look at this, man. Look at you know, us. Once
1: you said it, once we get rolling, I mean, I'm, I'm hundred percent going to regret this episode. There are probably so many stories I end up telling. I didn't want to tell or don't want to tell, or someone's going to call me and say, I can't believe you told that story, but Hey, we're in it. We're already in it. So
0: here we go. All right. You're up. It's your turn. Oh, it's, you my, it's my turn. Yeah, I just told the javelin story. Come oh on, we're, we're alternating here. Do you need Do you need a
1: breather? No, okay, I'm just going to tell this story quickly because Sam made me agree to tell this story as part of the uh, negotiation over having this episode. Uh, I'm going to tell it with almost no detail to try to protect the identity of the people involved, as I should have done on probably other, uh, you know, storytelling instances, but... Basically, I was at an MLS event (laughs) and oftentimes, as we'll discuss, I'm sure in this episode, at MLS events like the Combine or the All-Star Game or MLS Cup, um, you know, typically there's a lot of action at the bar,
0: okay? Big parties, Um, big parties.
1: And at the bar, you know, there's a lot of GMs and coaches mingling with media members who are there. It's not too dissimilar from... The winter meetings in major league baseball where that where that occurs or the combine in indianapolis for the nfl uh anyways i'm at an mls event sam stace with me um and we're we're actually at the uh, a second bar with um you know uh, again uh, mls employees not just not just team personnel but employees of of leagues and teams whatever and uh, I'm, I'm talking to a front office executive for the first time, getting to know him, introducing myself, whatever. Uh, and, uh, a few minutes later I, I have to use the bathroom. So I go, you know, to this, down this hallway,
0: it's very late Keep at in night. mind, keep in mind. It's like four in the morning. It's, We're at a karaoke bar. No one, no one is sober. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. All true.
1: I was leaving Important those details, details. Out, but that's why Sam's here. Um, so it's late at night, and I've had a few beverages. So I'm going to this this bathroom, and it's a single use. You know, it's like a single use bathroom. There's like one toilet. You're supposed to one lock
0: one it. person. It's a one person bathroom.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to lock it when you go in. Anyways, I open the door. It's unlocked, and that front office executive is using the bathroom uh for number one not <laughs> a number two but we make eye contact as I walk in. that would have been that would have been real awkward. and i and i walk out immediately embarrassed uh but laughing and i go back down to the bar i no longer have to use the bathroom i just want to get out of there and um you know i'm having a drink and like five minutes later this this person finds me and he says well I guess we really got to know each other tonight, didn't we? And he smacks me on the back. <laughs> and that's that's the story of the time I accidentally walked in on an MLS front office executive
0: using the bathroom. There you go. I mean, who among us hasn't, right? Um, and, and just to sort of elaborate on what Paul was saying, the combine in particular, the old combine, the, when it existed, um, and it would be in Florida usually Orlando or Fort Lauderdale back in the old days at the cricket at the cricket pitch those were the real glory days but then it shifted to Orlando they had it in LA one year um I think in 17 um but those those ones everyone is just living at the bar every night no one was taking the games all that seriously they have their meetings they have their deals they 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 talk trades it's a real like hot place for some for for gossip everyone's coming up to people saying what's going on what's going on what's going on um and those are some pretty funny times you know you occasionally like if you play your cards right you'll you'll find yourself and in the hotel room of, uh, you know, a a GM or a technical director. And there'll be like six other coaches or GMs or technical directors in there. And everyone will be having a good time. And next thing you know, it's 5am and you're like, Oh crap. Like maybe I should go get some sleep. I need to wake up at 8am and work tomorrow. Um, but that's, that's what those trips were like. In fact, Paul, we had one time in Orlando at what was that hotel called the Rosen center? Yeah, the Rosen Center. The, the Rosen those, Center. This is two combines
1: ago because they upgraded for the last combine.
0: Yeah, they were at the Ritz. That was ridiculous. But anyway, at the at the old Rosen Center, and Paul and I were sitting outside. I think we were both just like kind of transcribing, maybe tweeting, just doing some work, sitting by the pool, and one on one in the pool, and and we're sitting at a table together. And we look up and there's like a parade of GMs coming out to sit at the other end of the pool. And like a few of them see us and like shout at us. We were probably at the bar with them the night before. And when you say parade, (laughs) we're we're not not, you're not underselling this, man. It was like all of them. It was was like all all of them. It was like twenty guys. (laughs) And we're like, What is going on? This is not like a normal thing. Um and we come we came to learn later on that was the first chief soccer officer. Uh, meeting where they sort of organized themselves and created this little committee to try and have a little bit more sway in, in league policy matters. (laughs) So that was kind of a funny little morning. Um, But oh man, I had, I had another one that I was going to, going to rock with and now I can't remember. Oh, here we go. Okay. So another one of these league events Um, it's, what was it? I think it was, it was the all-star game. In Atlanta a couple of years ago, and I'm staying at a hotel and, you know, um, it's, it's late at night. A bunch of people had gone out. Um, and I get a call at like 3am and I'm in bed. I'm about to crash and like get ready for the morning the next day. Cause I got a big, these are busy. These are very much work hard, play hard situations that you're in. And I get a call and I'm like, who the hell is calling me right now? What is going on? And it's Paul Tenorio. And I'm like, what? We're, we're not colleagues at the time. We're not working together, but we are friends. And and I'm like, w- what's up, man? And he's like, man, we're staying at this Airbnb and I got locked out. Like, do you have like a couch in your own room? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and you know, I had a roommate cuz that was the work situation I was in at the time. We we were sharing a room. I was with Charlie Bohm, um good old Charlie. And I was like, I don't, but like you can come crash here if you want, like if you want to sleep on top of the covers and I'll sleep <laughs> underneath and so so that's what ended up happening that was a weird night and paul is still uh i don't even think you've fully repaid me for that evening paul
1: yeah i i first of all i don't think it was three in the morning it might have been later i i did get locked out <laughs> and i tried to sleep on a couch in the hotel that was adjoining the airbnb building where we were staying and i got sniped by a security guard who booted me which is embarrassing. I didn't know. Th- I didn't really know this part of the
0: story. So then,
1: actually. I then my plan was to walk around uh, downtown Atlanta and try to find like a 24-hour diner or something. And um, there are I went, Waffle Houses I went back, in downtown. Atlanta, I actually went to that karaoke bar. Uh, uh, was, this a, was this? It was no. It, was it wasn't it not the, the same, same night. It was no, not the same no. trip um or maybe it was we're not going to be specific uh about what trip it was you just you just overplayed your hand i did there. i no totally hand. gave away more detail than i wanted to give um <laughs> <laughs> inevitable it was inevitable that it was going to happen <laughs> but the point is yes i ended up in sam school's bed that night uh i did sleep it was, on it was top weird of the, on top of the covers i slept for about two and a half three hours and then eventually got let back into the airbnb so um and that's how Sam Stasco ended up as a co-host on this show. That's, that's, that was the repayment, I think. Right, Sam?
0: <laughs> Please get out of here. I'm the reason <laughs> this show exists. <laughs> um, I think that same trip, maybe even that same night, I was out at a bar. Um, it wouldn't have been that same night. It was after the All-Star game against Juventus. And Juventus had brought a lot of their former greats to Atlanta as part of like some ambassador program or whatever. They were probably doing meet and greets and various community events around the city in the in the build up to the game, right? And so we somehow end up at this random bar in Atlanta, like not like a fancy place at all. No. And who's there? But Pavel Nedved, Dr- David Trezeguet, Maro Camoranesi, And I'm like, wow, okay, this is kind of wild. Um, and so, but you know, I'm not going to bother them. They're often their little part of the bar, and we're, me and my friends are often a different part. And at a certain point, um, we sort of like migrate closer together. Both groups just sort of naturally move, right? And, and we end up pretty nearby. And so they, at, at a certain point, get ready to leave. <laughs> They're all getting ready to go and most of their group heads out the door and, you know, they, they leave a lot of, you know, beer bottles and glasses and, and all that stuff and they're awake. Normal, normal things that would, you would leave behind at a table at a bar, right? And Pavel Nedved just goes around to all the beer bottles and he checks them all, right? He's checking every single one. And if they have anything left, in him, he's putting them down, <laughs> which was amazing. But then Moro Cameronese, so Nedved leaves. Cameronese was in the bathroom. He comes out of the bathroom and he comes back and I'm like nudging my friend. I'm like, are you seeing this? This is crazy. And Cameronese tries to do the same thing, except all of them are empty because Nedved have already had already drained them all. So <laughs> uh, I was like, I'm pretty sure you guys can afford those Bud Lights you're drinking, but um, you know, go for it. I also gave David Trezeguet a high five that night as I was passing him. Uh, Maybe on purpose, maybe accidentally. And we but- should shout
1: out uh, <laughs> that, that Brendan Hannon picked out that bar, I believe. So shout out. I, I do believe it was him. that That's why we ended up at some like
0: kind of weird dive bar um, off the maybe. path. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. but I don't know if he was there. I think but, he was, hey, I was there. But whatever. But anyways... uh Uh, well i think that was the all-star game that's a lot on skip so i'm not sure that he was there (laughs) (laughs) we've told
1: a few stories that involve bars and alcohol we're gonna take a quick break from that we're gonna pivot to a story that i demand sam tells
0: i think you have to do it sam you have to tell the story you certainly put me on the spot um all right so ages ago this was probably oof Maybe 2012, um, I worked for Real Salt Lake. For those, some of you listening might know that. Some, most of you probably don't. Um, I was working in their communications department. And so I had a lot of interaction with with the team and and the coaching staff. And um, there was a Star Wars Day promotion, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. And so we decided, um, me and, and a couple of my colleagues in our infinite wisdom, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we, printed out a quick little like graphic that we can throw on the website and you know maybe print up a couple copies and tape them up on the walls around the office of, of some of the coaches as Star Wars characters. So I enlisted the help of our graphic designer who is an incredible graphic designer and a great man. His name is Ben Barnes. He now works for the Utah Jazz and he designs their uniforms and their courts. He's designed like eight different NBA teams as uniforms. He's amazing amazing at his job. One of the best in the, in, in the country, probably probably in the world at doing this stuff. Um, anyway, I digress. So I went over to Ben and I was like, what do you think about doing a little poster with, uh, with Jason is who was the head coach of RSL at the time as, as Luke Skywalker. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'll Photoshop that up. Give me a few minutes. <laughs> and so he puts it together and the other coaches are, you know, uh, other star Wars characters. I think Jeff Kassar, we made into Chewbacca. Jeff was a great sport about it. He's a great guy. Um, but anyway, I put them up and we put it on the website and we print a few out and I don't really think much of it, right? It's just like a little joke. Um, I want to say the next day, it must've been a Friday because the team was training in the stadium. I'm out on the training fields for some reason before training starts. And then I'm heading back in. I was probably just like wanting to go outside and kill a little time. And so I'm walking back up the tunnel into the stadium and Jason Christ is walking down the tunnel. Um, to the field before training to get everything set up <laughs> and, and anyone that knows Jason Christ or has seen him on the sidelines, he's a, he's a pretty intense dude when he's like in his zone. Um, he's a very kind, actually like very, uh, soft-spoken guy away from the game. But when he's, when he's in his zone, he's, he's real intense. And he gave me the look that I had seen too many times, um, before of that. I was in trouble and I was like, uh Oh, what did I even do? <laughs> I didn't even know. And he comes up to me as we're passing each other. He's like, "Sam, Star Wars thing. That was you, right?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, you like it." And I shouldn't have said that. And he just goes, "He just goes, you f with me, I f with you," and he storms off. And I was like, "Whoa." That was intense. Anyway, Jason is a great guy. I don't mean to besmirch his name or character at all. We uh we still get along. So um Jason's Jason's a good dude, one of the best I've ever known. I think the <laughs> but best, that was that was a pretty intense moment. The best sure. part of the story is that
1: you you saw him not too long ago and I, I made you I didn't I mean before you, you were gonna see him, I said you have to oh, ask him about the story. Yeah. And you asked him, he had no recollection.
0: None, <laughs> I mean right? it, honestly like it wasn't like like a big defining thing for me. It was just like more a funny story to tell my friends and all of the listeners of this podcast now. Um, but yeah, no, he did not recall, which was kind of funny as well. I think but, it speaks um, to I think it speaks to the fact that when he was in those zones, he was in those zones. He was in the zone, man. He was he was, he was he was just seeing red. That was all it took. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, that's one of my Jason Christ stories. You got anything, Paul? You got you got one next.
1: Yeah, I got, I've got one more story that I'm willing to tell today. I think, um, and, and this is an embarrassing one for me. I've never, I should say, I've never missed a flight. I never missed a flight before this, and I still have never missed a flight since this week. You Better knock of, on some wood, man. I know, right? You you talked about the fact that you know when you're at these events, whether it's the the combine or the draft or All Star or MLS Cup, like. Going to the bar is part of the job, right? You you kind of yeah, have we're to not, go there. We're not
0: just some party animals. We're no, not these two big lushes,
1: okay? You're developing relationships. You're sometimes getting scoops at the bar. This isn't um, even
0: tongue-in-cheek. This is, like, real. This tears. is part of our this job. This is the
1: sometimes. same speech I have to give my wife every time I go to one of these <laughs> events. I swear it's work. I know I come home exhausted and hungover but like it's for the purposes of 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 work you just just, put
0: you're just putting food on the table it's networking
1: it's developing relationships anyway so i'm i'm developing a relationship uh at a uh, mls draft in 2015 and i'm at the bar uh late uh in philadelphia very late and um i'm there with ivis galarsep And, uh, I think Franco Panizzo was there. Oh, Franco, Um,
0: the legend. A
1: couple other people. And there was, uh, there were a couple coaches and a, and a GM and, uh, you know, my thought was like, I can't, I can't go to bed until they go to bed. And certainly not with like, I mean, he's my boy. I was my boy, but also my competition, right? I can't walk away and give him like this time with people. And I, and I am the guy that walked away. But at the same time I'm leaving on a flight the next morning to go to Chicago at the time I lived in Orlando to go to Chicago for wedding planning with my wife uh we were planning a wedding in Chicago and so we would have a <laughs> weekend to get as much done as we could and and then we'd fly back to Orlando where we lived and worked so I had the first flight out of of Philadelphia to get back to Chicago and you know, we have 12 hours of appointments set up on Saturday morning oh, or Saturday the day, uh, <laughs> consecutively 12 hours. So, uh, I, around four in the morning, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta just, I gotta call it a night. Maybe it was like four 30. I gotta call it a night. I just can't do this anymore. Ivis, I, I can't keep up with you. Uh, I'm going to bed. So I was like, do not go up to your hotel room and go to bed. Like pack your bag come back down hang here for like another hour go to the airport wait there for your flight it's a 7am flight maybe 7:30 and i'm like no 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 i need at least at least a half hour hour of sleep i've got 12 hours of these appointments the next day and he's like don't do it i'm like i got i got to do it I wake up the next morning, I had set my alarm, I set an alarm on my phone, um, to remind myself that I had a radio interview, um, that was supposed to take place like right as boarding was happening for the plane. And And
0: that's what you woke up. I woke up
1: to the phone call from the radio station (laughs) and my my stuff is just all over the hotel room. So I'm running around, I'm throwing stuff in my suitcase, I'm trying to give a radio interview at the same time. Um, I have to at some point I have to sit down to finish the interview because I can hear that I'm breathing hard into the phone during this radio interview. <laughs> so I'm I go running out of my hotel room, down I'm sprinting through the lobby, and the one of the people from a a club that had been there, not as late, but had been there, hearing me talk about how I had this early morning flight um, and had gone to bed at a far more uh, reasonable hour. Reasonable yeah. hour. Sees me sprinting through the lobby with my and is just cracking up, you know, sipping on a coffee, <laughs> just laughing so hard. And now I'm like, great, like now there's this, you know, team executive. And you're from staying
0: like downtown Philly, right? I'm in
1: downtown Philly, so it's which about, is not that close to the airport. No, it's like a right? 25 minute, about a 20 25 minute okay. cab ride. So not
0: not terrible, but not not it, close, not yeah.
1: great. Not considering that it was my my flight was boarding, you know. Yeah. So, um, anyways, <laughs> there's this guy waiting out in front with a black car. And I'm like, hey, man, do you have a ride that you're waiting for? He's like, no. I'm like, I, you got to get me to the airport. I'll make this part short because the funny part's over. Basically, he he floored it. The guy couldn't have been greater. He got me there in like 15 minutes. I'm, I'm sprinting through the airport. I get to my gate. They're closing the door. as They see me coming. And the lady says, nope, closes the door as she <sighs> sees me running. And I call my wife to let her know I missed the flight. And I'm looking at my plane. And the the pilot of the plane waves at me. He waves Ooh. at me, which was just the, the, the extra... That's a ride. swift kick in the nuts. So I got on the next flight. Um, and my wife, she did cover for me with my mother-in-law, who I hope doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, hey, I, I, only the missed, uh, I only missed a couple appointments. Um, and, <sighs>
0: uh, You're still married. So still, that's, we got, know, we got married, the well wedding that's, happened. All's, all's, all's well that's, that ends well.
1: Yeah, I think that's the it. best part was just... The best part of that was just the uh, the front office executive laughing, laughing at me, at me as I ran through the line. Man, and that's
0: <laughs> brutal. Um, well, I, I really don't have anything that's going to top that left in my arsenal. Although I do want to give a shout out to Franco and you and that one time when we were covering national team camp before the Copa America Centenario in 2016 in Miami. And we went to a weird restaurant that turned out it was owned by DJ Khaled. Uh, called Miami Fingerlickin, and we thought we were just gonna get some wings, <laughs> and it just turned into a whole experience. But maybe we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> I forgot about Miami Fingerlickin. <laughs> they opened a, a location in Chicago last year, Paul. You might have to go check it out. Anyway, um, hopefully, this has been as fun for you to listen to as it was uh, for us to talk about. I had a great time, Paul. I hope you had a great time. Um, and I think we'll close out that episode. Stay tuned next week. We'll be back. We'll have that bonus episode with, with all of our friends from the athletic telling their own funny stories. I promise. uh, I promise that there's some good laughs in that one too, but, um, until then, thanks so much for, for listening. I'm Sam Stasekul. He's Paul Tenorio. This has been allocation disorder. Enjoy your weekend.